You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. And it's time, and they're on the line waiting to go, so it's yours, gentlemen. Well, good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning, Richard. I'm uh, all ready to go, sitting here high atop the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, and I have my uh, early morning Dr. Pepper ready, and I'm ready. <laughs> Dr. Pepper in the morning? I mean, I love Dr. Pepper. It's my favorite soda, but no, Real men drink tea in the morning, don't you know that? <laughs> Do you drink it with your pinky finger? That's what I want to know. Okay, gentlemen. Wait a, wait a second. I've got to ask. Uh, Tom, you said that you were ready because you had your Dr. Pepper, right? Yep, yep. Okay, do you know what's in Dr. Pepper? Sugar. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to know. Do you remember the original Dr. Pepper bottle? I used to enjoy hot dogs, David. Do you you remember the original Dr. Pepper bottle that had a clock on it? Do you know why? You know why it had that clock on it? To remind people to drink their Dr. Pepper at ten, two, and four. And you know why? My my grandfather owned Dr. Pepper plants in New Mexico, and uh, he divulged the. He knew Dr. Pepper. As a matter of fact, Dr. Pepper was a traveling snake oil salesman, and he sold his product, Dr. Pepper, and then became a pajillionaire after Coke carbonized Coca-Cola and their cocaine, and uh, he carbonized Dr. Pepper in Waco, Texas, and uh, Dr. Pepper. Its main ingredients is prune juice. And if you take it at, if you drink a Dr. Pepper at 10, 2, and 4, you will be so regular that your uh, gastroenterologist won't even have to prescribe. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Indeed. Well, um, that, now I know the medicinal benefits of my habitual, habitual morning Dr. Pepper. So. Well, you got to drink one um, at 10, 2, and 4. And, uh, uh, I, I probably probably drink about 4 or 5 a day, actually. Well, <laughs> so I, I don't want to go into details, but uh, I, be, I bet you don't need any uh, laxative, that's for sure. <laughs> But anyway, life I, is good. <laughs> life is good. I just thought I'd throw uh, that little tidbit in, and um, I uh, a lot of folks don't know that, but that that be the truth. Ten to an, and uh, the main ingredient. Good. So, with that being yeah, said, I, I feel relieved. My life is complete now. <laughs> it is. Okay, <laughs> back, back to the classic car show. How about that intro? Did you like it? Oh, very good. Love, love, love the the new intro. Um, And thank you. Hopefully, uh, everybody else loves the new intro as well. It's it's better than hearing, you know, Richard telling me good morning uh, when we first get on. So I'm loving it. (laughs) One thing I'll mention really quickly, and that is if you're in the vicinity, within driving distance of Melbourne, Florida today, the Cape Canaveral region of the Antique Automobile Club of America is hosting the AACA Winter Nationals. Um, starts this 
right about 7 o'clock, the cars start coming onto the show field, so they're already, I guarantee you, most of them are already in place, and the cars will get judged starting at 11 o'clock, and they're not going to leave the show field until 3 in the afternoon, as is customary, unless there's some sort of uh, reason to release the field early, such as inclement weather, you know, obviously, uh, <laughs> antique cars and hail don't mix. So if there's bad weather, they might release the field early. But otherwise, all those cars are going to be there until 3 p.m. And they're going to be located at the American Muscle Car Museum on the grounds of the American Muscle Car Museum in Melbourne, Florida. So if you're within driving distance it's and you're listening to us, hop in the car, keep listening to us, <laughs> and go to the AACA Winter National. Okay. What's the best thing about it? It's free. We love free shows. Who's going to run the board while I'm driving down? Oh, well, we should try to do it remotely. Dr. Pepper. It is hey. free, and, and that's a great point, Richard, to make. Yep, free. A lot of, lot of shows charge you for admission, some hundreds of dollars for admission. ACA shows it's part of the bylaws of the Antique Automobile Club of America. Our shows shall always be free and attendance open like, to the general public. Right, and it'll be like 500 cars. This is no rinky-dink local mogul show. This is, you know, a big show. 500 cars probably, give or take. Free, folks, free. Okay, uh, free. Tom, I think there's one other thing, and I've been thinking about it, and uh, I really decided that uh, I don't believe I want to hear you sing happy birthday. Oh, yeah, a couple of days ago, it was Steve Moskowitz's birthday. And, uh, you know, that's one of the hallowed days of AACA. Uh, we <laughs> actually prepare for, for weeks in advance for Steve Moskowitz's birthday. And I hope he's listening because he, he loves it when I talk about his birthday and remind him of his birthday. And uh, I had the good oh, yeah, fortune of... Let me ask you guys something. Yeah. You guys keep mentioning this Moskowitz fella. Who is he? <laughs> is he like your great-grandfather or something? <laughs> he's, he's the big kahuna. The, the, the big kahuna. <laughs> the big kahuna. Yeah, I heard, I heard of that fella before. Yeah. Yes, the uh, very, very capable uh, chief executive officer of the Antique Automobile Club of America and... Uh, he just held that post now for, gosh, 17 years, I believe. So, wow. And, 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 hey, you guys know that uh, today's an important day in automotive history? I got what, my your, license. Is your birthday? No. On February 25th, 1899, was the first recorded death of an automobile driver. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Richard. since. Richard, I hate to t I hate to break your bubble on that, but it's the twenty sixth. The twenty sixth. Well, this was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no. right. It's the twenty sixth. <laughs> yeah. On, on, on the on the twenty seventh, the first law firm specializing in ambulance chasing was established as well. Yeah. Dewey Cheatham, yeah. the firm of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. <laughs> so, what they say on the on the, the 26th and 1725 the first automobile was born it wasn't really a car though it was you know some kind of steam contraption with wheels but uh yeah nothing like automotive history it's always interesting every day something else happens so 
Very cool. Yeah, well, automotive history is made every time I turn the turn the key. Something breaks. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, that's that's the good thing about antique cars. You know, you've well, always got something to do. You don't have to worry about being bored. Just as long as it's not the driver no. that breaks. It, yeah, well, that, that happens to, too. You don't have to waste your time going to the local saloon. You know, <laughs> wasting your money on beer. You could just you know waste it. You know, buying. Buying batteries and tires and brakes and, you know, having fun in the garage. That's what it's all about. Oh, damn. I'm, I'm so glad you said that because that was exactly what I told my parents as a, as a young teenager. You know, I could be spending my money on drugs, booze, women, shooting dice, but no, I, I've got antique cars. You should be happy. <laughs> That's right. You always they always know where you are in the garage with the light on. Yep. Or on the side of the road in my case. Yeah. And that was still a lot of fun. You see, when when you own British cars you're never on the side well, rarely are you on the side of the road because you're always in your garage and they never start. So (laughs) (laughs) you 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 might be on fire. You might be on fire, I'm just saying. (laughs) So what's on the docket today? What do you want to talk so about? So on the docket today, we're going to, first of all, remind people that we have two Facebook pages out there that you can learn about the classic car show and associated topics. One is, of course, at the standard Facebook page of America's Web Radio, where you'll not only be able to listen to cataloged uh editions of our uh, shows every week, but you'll also be able to learn about a vast number of other shows that you can also uh, download and listen to on America's web radio. But we also have a The Classic Car Show Facebook page, and you're welcome to post your pictures of your car, your events, and occasionally we'll post some of our stuff and some of our cars and some of our events. But uh, it's a nice opportunity for everybody out there in the listening audience to get together. So uh, the Facebook page, we've got two. The main page is America's Web Radio. And then there is a separate page, the Classic Car Show page. So we invite you to join up and uh, catch up with us out there on on Facebook. I want to add add something to uh, what you're saying there, is that uh, our thank you goes out to all the folks that have become patrons. And if you want to be the first to hear this show uh, and with a direct link on it, uh, when it's posted, it'll be posted on Monday, Monday afternoon. And uh, if you become a patron, you'll get the direct link and be one of the first to be able to download it and uh, listen to it again. And I'm, I'm sure. I mean, look at the value, valuable information that you've already gotten. The main ingredients of Dr. Pepper. I mean, how you can't get more important than that, you know? And so you can be the first to get that direct from. The horses, you know, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, anyway, back back to the show. Well, with, with that, Richard, I, we were going to talk about uh, pre-war cars um, from from the brass era, which is generally considered up through 1915. Then came the the nickel-plated era, which uh, lasted up into the 20s. 
And then after that, the Chrome era. So uh, we're going to talk about that. And the fact, you know, uh, people think about these cars, uh, you know, I don't know why. There's so many misconceptions out there about the antique car hobby. So many people think that, you know, well, gosh, gosh, if it's rare, it's expensive. If it's old, not true. It's expensive. And that's not, not true, true, is it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> not true at all. Tom, no, that, that, Tom that, why don't you take true. a second and explain what the brass era means, you know? Is it the engine or is it the. What exactly does. It'll probably get to 1916. Okay. Yeah. Well, so. And not all cars. There, there, there was some right. nickel plating going on during that time yep. period. But those cars are most noted for the headlamps and other trim items on the car were brass or brass plated. Hmm. And they, you know, when they're shined up, all pretty, they just shimmer like crazy in the sunlight and you get that really nice fresh new brass finish um and if you go to a car show and you see one of those cars thank the owner because you know that they just spent about 25 hours polishing every last piece of that stuff because it really does take a lot to polish it out now, but it's the plating of the of the components of the vehicle i started um, to ask can you still get the uh, brass plating done Oh, you can sure. get just about, sure. yeah, just about any kind of plating you want to have done. Um, you can yeah. still get it done. Now, I will say this, and I'm not being political here, but EPA, our Environmental Protection Agency, is slowly but surely uh, putting all the platers out of business little by little. But I will tell you, um, the finest ones remain, and there are a lot of really great uh, plating shops out there. But no matter what the finish on your components are, whether it's brass era or whether it's a modern era, you can generally find a way to have it replated. Wow. And I bet it's not free. No. No. It's actually expensive, but it's worth it. It is worth it. I I keep hoping and and praying that someone's going to come up with a uh, really nice, uh, you know, finish you can apply at home that looks like chrome, but uh, it hasn't happened. (laughs) Which is what I'm doing today. I'm doing black oxide finish on my uh, nuts and bolts for my Triumph. So there are kits available, but, but not brass plating. Well, another reason to buy a British car. You can plate at home. <laughs> well, you know, black oxide, uh, you could plate, you know, all kinds of bolts and faceters and things like that. And I've been working the last few days cleaning several hundred fasteners. So today's the big day to dip them into black oxide and see what happens. But unfortunately, you can't do that to brass. You can't do that to nickel or, or even, you know, cadmium plating, although there are kits available, but they come out too yellow. So uh, a good plating shop will take care of you. Well, and and no doubt you'll you'll take some photos of your uh, plating process today and post them on our Facebook page at some point. Well, gentlemen, so we can revel in all. Yes, we we have to take our yep. first break, and we'll be back right after this. Uh, Richard, pay attention to this break, would you please? When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how to tech stories that don't interest you? 
Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. And we also want to mention the fact that this show, for 17 years now, and it must be doing something right, but for 17 years now, it's been brought to you by J.C. Taylor Insurance. And the two gentlemen on the line both have J.C. Taylor Insurance for their classic cars. And we'll be doing more about Bob Wallace and... uh, J.C. Taylor Insurance as the show goes on, but let's uh, let's play this and we'll get back to you. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Yeah. And it's, Five weeks. And it's yours. Thanks, David. Yep. Everybody should give a, get a quote from J.C. Taylor. Wow. 17 years, and uh, Richard and I have not managed to destroy the show in a, in a mere matter of weeks so far. So we, we, we hope we're around for another 17 more. So Yeah, 17 we years talking. ago, I was still in grammar school. Wow, time <laughs> Well, Well, I've, I've got one, I've got one formula for you, Tom. Keep drinking those Dr. Peppers. <laughs> yes, keeping me healthy. <laughs> Keep Keep me you healthy. clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you might be able to drop some parts in there, and and it might clean the parts as well. Uh, I know that if you throw in a, a throw a penny in a Coca Cola overnight, it uh, comes out bright and shiny the next day. So um, <laughs> you might find a use use for it in restoration, automotive restoration, but. Uh, we were talking about the pre-war cars and the fact that, you know, a lot of people associate age of the vehicle with the cost of the vehicle. They associate rarity with the cost of the vehicle, and so many other things come into play. You know, people naturally think, well, gosh, those pioneer automobiles of the early uh, 1900s and late 1800s, I, I just uh, surveyed an 1899 Locomobile steam car uh, for a friend of mine the other other week. Um, simply amazing stuff. But you know, a lot of that you know is affordable. You know, you can actually get in. Brass cars do require a lot of mechanical knowledge, um, but you can buy a Model T. And if you buy a Model T, it takes a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of ability. There are literally volumes of material out there on Model Ts tell you how to do everything from the first screw and nut and bolt you put in it till the time it's a finished show car out there on the, on the field. And the Ts are a blast to drive, uh, particularly I'm partial to the brass Ts because I just like the brass. But, uh, you know, and then, of course, you've got the... The larger cars, the the rarer cars, the big cars, uh, Thomas Wires and the like, and yes, those do run up into the uh, 
many of the Euro figures. Yeah, 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 and then some. Um, but they're magnificent machines, absolutely magnificent machines. But there's a, a, a lot, lot to be enjoyed in the in the brass era. Uh, the AACA, of course, uh, has activities and accepts all all vehicles 25 years and older, including the brass era cars. Uh, but there's also another. Another great club, if you're a fan of the brass era or early cars, um, 19, um, you know, from the tw- early t- um, 30s on back to the origins of the vehicle, and that would be the uh, Horseless Carriage Club of America, and uh, they have a great publication called the Horseless Carriage Gazette, and it is uh, edited by a friend of mine, the very capable Tracy Lesher, whose mom, incidentally, was a great friend of mine. She was a great lady. Janet Ricketts, who was also the very first female president of AACA. But uh, the Horseless yeah, Carriage Club of America is a great, great, great resource. Yeah, great resource yep. for the brass era. But you know, you know what's the best thing about pre-war cars is that you drive slow, you know? They're not speed demons, you know. You don't drive fast when you're behind the wheel. You just sit back and you motor along and you, you know, just smell the roses as you're on these back roads. And it's far more enjoyable than, you know, having mega horsepower under the hood, which, of course, is fun. But, you know, it, it's nice to go slow and enjoy the scenery and, and, you know, listen to the birds as you're driving by and smell all the flowers and, it's just a relaxing experience driving, you know, pre-war cars because they don't have a lot of speed. You're connected to the road, so you always work in the machine. You're involved 100%. And, you know, I think that's what's the most attractive thing about owning a pre-war car. No doubt the experience is, is so vastly different, and you're absolutely right. It, you know, these days we are constantly engaged in everything online our phones we're constantly looking at screens we're constantly in a hurry and the pre-war cars give you an opportunity to unplug and to really relax and take it down a few notches i I remember being on an aaca tour a number of years ago and i was uh, fortunate enough to be the passenger uh in a early 20s uh, Chrysler uh, touring car, and we spent uh, four days in that car. Of course, Wes Peterson was at the wheel, so it was really frightening. But uh, it was great when when we were moving slowly and Wes wasn't scaring me. It was quite the, quite the trip. Um, I remember laying across the back seat, going down the road at a leisurely pace, the wind being an open car, the wind blowing through your hair, so to speak. And uh, we even ended up in downtown uh, Washington, D.C., on the mall uh, with that car and made several laps in the, uh, of the mall down there. And that was just, just absolutely a blast. It was, it was great fun. Now, you know, you know, it's a great alternative to Model T's, which I prefer is the Model A Ford. Uh, they were a little more modern, you know, through the 20s and uh, early 30s up until 31. Uh, we had a Model A Phaeton at the Hemmings Motor News Collection, and I've driven that thing many times in and around the roads of Bennington, Vermont, 
And it's such a relaxing car to drive. It's, it's easier to shift than a Model T, of course. But, uh, it's, you know, they, I'm not going to say they handle incredibly well, but they do hug the road. You know, you take your time. Uh, you're engaged fully when you're driving that thing. And, uh, another great thing is no matter where you go, people are honking, they're waving, they're smiling, giving you a thumbs up. And it's just a great driving experience. And, and Model A's, man, those, those things are, very affordable. Remember, we love cheap cars, and you could still pick up Model A's for less than $10,000 of requiring work. And every part is available, practically. I mean, you can get everything for these cars. So, uh, you know, don't be put off by the age of the car thinking you can't get parts. They're very popular. Henry made gazillions of them. So uh, there's parts out there. There's a Model A club. There's a Model A restorers club. There's in the, the two big clubs. So... Uh, you know, anything and everything is available for those cars. So, you know, consider those. Of course, then you could go with the Buicks, you know, and and Chevrolets and, and all those early cars. But, you know, those are a little harder to find because they didn't make as many as the Fords. Gentlemen, well, uh, let one me thing ask, about the Model 8. Let, let me ask you something. Uh, you all are a lot more familiar with the clubs than I am, but... Uh, if you're interested in a Model A or a Model T, depending on your, your whatever, your, your thoughts on it, can you join or go to one of the clubs and uh, ride along with some of the guys that have a Model A or a Model T and, and find out if that's really the one that you want? Will most of the clubs, most of the folks in the club be glad to give you a ride? Oh, I well, I will tell you this, uh, particularly if you... Uh, talk to these early uh, pre-war car owners, most people are, are just thrilled to tell you about their car and give you experiences in their car. Now, not everybody, but there are a ton of people. I, I, uh, good friends, the, the Weavers down in uh, Pine Tops, North Carolina. I know if you, you were to see them at a Model T event, and you went up and said, hey, listen, I really want to learn about the Model T. Is there any chance I could catch a ride in, in one of these? They would see to it that it happened. Uh, the quality of the people that you meet, the boundless enthusiasm. And the other big thing about it is don't be intimidated by the lack of knowledge of the operation and repair of an earlier car. I have these people, they possess so much knowledge, and if they don't know the answer, they know where to find the answer, and they can guide you. So you're absolutely right, David. The greatest place to start is to start with a club, and I know these days, um, you know, stats will show that people are not joining clubs, per se, but uh, try not to think of it as a club. Think of it as an association <laughs> and, and and get involved. But, yeah, Model T Ford uh, Club and others, you know, uh, they're just great resources, as is AACA. We do a lot of ride-alongs at a lot of our events, too, as well. And uh, if you ever catch me and you want to go for a ride, I'll, I'll throw you in the passenger seat. And uh, who knows, if we might even get adventurous, I might even give you the keys and just let you drive. I'm known to do that, too. Wow. What a nice guy. Phew. You just can't tell time sometimes. I might even let you drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like driving all kinds of cars, you know. Uh, they all provide a different experience, a different thrill, a different memory. 
they're just absolutely wonderful no matter what it is no matter what brand they're all different they're all unique and that's the thrill of uh joining a club you know especially uh you know a multi-mark club where you can meet fellow members who have different types of cars and before you know it you never thought you wanted you know a package but before you know it you got you went for a spinning one and that's the car you want so you're right it, it is good to sample before you buy but that may change your mind into what you really want to get. No, it's absolutely a good idea to get involved with people um, who actually own cars that you think you're interested in. Because, as Richard said, it's just it's good common sense. Um, I've actually driven a couple of cars that I thought I was going to love. And once I drove them, I just realized, you know what, this is really, I like the car. I like the way it looks. But it's just not for me, and right. uh, save me yeah. time. That happened you know, to me I, with that happened to me with a Lotus Europa. I always wanted a Europa, and uh, I finally met this guy, and I said, "Hey, can I, uh, you know, sit in that?" I couldn't get in. I mean, you know, I'm six foot, just about six foot three, and uh, when I finally squeezed in, it took me like freaking twenty minutes to get out. Uh, so there was, you know, <laughs> something. I had to write that off my list. But, uh, you know, that does happen, you know. You want to sample the car first because you may not fit in it. You know, it may not be comfortable enough for you to do some driving in. So, you know, sample before you buy. Gentlemen, on that note, it's a good time to take a break and let people uh, digest exactly what you said. And they can look up online the club nearest you so we'll be back right after a couple of messages want to remind everybody this show is brought to you by jc taylor insurance and we're working with bob wallace and john somebody to uh get some copy from them so we can do their spots and uh, rest assured they're good because our two gentlemen tom and richard both have jc taylor insurance and they they know the importance of uh, the uh, product that uh, J.C. Taylor agreed upon value, agreed value before you ever have to call them or ever need anything. But uh, you can't beat the people there, and the people are what makes the company at J.C. Taylor, starting from the top, Bob Wallace, down to that young lady that answers the phone. They're always there for you, and they're the greatest insurance going. So we'll be back after a couple more messages with Tom and Richard. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. 
And uh, Richard, as long as we're doing a spot for Crankshaft Magazine, can you give us uh, a little inside information about the latest issue and what people can expect from it? And uh, just tell us what you can. Sure. Uh, wow. Crankshaft. Uh, you know, I'm working on issue number four now. And we're going to have uh, upcoming a 1960 Oldsmobile four-door sedan. We're going to have a, uh, a 59 Thunderbird Talbot Lago, a one-off BMW. We're going to have a 1929 Rio, and uh, some other stuff. But uh, issue three came out two weeks, uh, two months ago, and uh, 144 pages, soft cover quarterly, and it's filled with all kinds of American and post-war cars. And if you're interested. Please go to crankshaftmagazine.com, and you could order a single copy or a one-year subscription. So, uh, and a lot of a lot of the ex-Hemmings, you know, uh, editors uh, write for Crankshaft, like Jim Donnelly and David Lachance and Milton Stern and Jim Richardson, Walt Gosden. So, uh, yeah, once you give it a try, we really appreciate the support. Well, we uh, we appreciate you and what you're doing and keeping this hobby alive, and it's done through quality and crankshaft magazine is definitely high quality high tech Thank for you. the classic car industry so with that back to the show and mr cox and mr lentinello it's yours well at the risk of piling on uh Lori is going to have to get a prop for richard's head because it's getting so big, because the magazine really is truly that good. Uh, the, the third issue was really a favorite for me because the Graham Shark Nose is one of my all-time favorites, and the front cover of it has a Graham Shark Nose illustrated by Joe Pep, the artist, and it is just absolutely killer. So I was absolutely thrilled to get that third copy of crankshaft and the graham shark nose was on the on the front cover uh amos north of design and uh boy it's just killer it is definitely one of my favorites one huh? of those cars that i wake up in the middle of the night dreaming about tom is that uh one and of you the... know where i found that graham oh. I, I was just gonna Hello? ask yeah i was just gonna ask yeah. tom if that's the one that he takes to bed with him to go to sleep at night <laughs> well, I, I keep that copy of Crankshaft under my pillow. <laughs> I found that 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 Graham Shark Nose on the show field at Hershey three years ago, and you know that's the great thing of going to the big Hershey car show on Saturday. It's filled with you know fifteen hundred, two thousand cars, and there was that Graham sitting there, and it was in Connecticut, and we hooked up with the guy and. Uh, you just never know what you find when you're cruising the fields of car shows, you know? Things like that. Yeah. Just just fabulous. You know, that's, that's an exceptionally well-done car. It just blew my socks off. And I think that same year there was also another, a second Graham um, from the uh, NB collection up in Allentown that was on the show field, too, that had been restored a couple of years prior. And then... Uh, if you want to see a Graham shark nose, not that we're on a shark nose kick or anything, but you could, I'm guaranteeing you can probably see one at uh, the Charlotte Auto Fair upcoming in April 
my good friend Bob Feldes from Greensboro, who's sort of the uh, doctor of shark noses. Uh, Bob possesses all the shark nose knowledge, keeps it in a safety vault in his home and uh, as well as parts too but uh, if you want to see a shark nose his uh, shark nose combination coop should probably be at the AACA national meet on the Sunday of or the Saturday excuse me on the Saturday of Charlotte Auto Fair so not to get yeah, that, that shark nose speedway kit. right yep yeah speedway yeah. That, that's a great show yep it is a great show it's not only are you going to be able to if you you know it it's cranks up uh, on Thursday, you've got all, this is going to be a, a good post-COVID show down there. The flea market will be back in full gear, and then on Saturday, the car corral got the is age. huge. The car corral is huge, and it there's something for everybody down there, including the ACA National Show on Saturday. And you know the best so, thing about Auto Fair the car the car corral is on the track as as is, you know, a lot of the car show, and you get to experience the banking of Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's a lot steeper than you'd think once you're walking up it, you know? <laughs> a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, I always get a kick out of watching little kids try to run up the bank in the in the corners uh, every year because it really is just that steep. Um, yeah, thought I was going to tip over a golf cart one, one year on that thing, riding on the outside of it, but, uh, yeah, it's a blast. I um, like sitting up there so, with my matchbox cars and seeing which one re- reaches the bottom first. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you doing that. I can see you doing that. I'll be on the out. I'll, I'll be on the lookout for it. <laughs> and, and that so, that Saturday we'll have our two correspondents doing the show from there. Correct. Oh, that's yes. fun. You know? Yes. Yes, live from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. That just sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Richard, uh, because you're on time, uh, you get extra. Not extra pay, just extra. Just extra time. That's it. That's it. Okay, good. <laughs> don't, don't give Richard anything extra. It, it only creates problems for me. <laughs> the, uh, so, the pre-war cars. If you're interested, go for the, a Mark Club, but join up with AACA or HC, HCCA, the Horseless Carriage Club of America, and uh, you can find them at uh, www.hcca.org. And, uh, again, a, a shout-out to Tracy Lesher and uh, Fine Publication. She edits Horseless Carriage Gazette. Everything you ever wanted to know about the horseless carriage, but we're afraid to ask. So, so Tom, uh, tell us about uh, what is your pick of the week. Did you come up with any yeah. interesting cars that are cheap and fun? Because we love cheap cars here at the Classic Car Show. <laughs> cheap, cheap, cheap. Cheap is good. Antique cars are not expensive. It's not a rich man's hobby. And uh, this car... The pick of the week, I, I wish I had a drum roll, but uh, the 1954 Chevy four-door sedan with the stove bolt six, three-speed on the column, standard transmission, equipped with no rust, and available for only 
wait for it, 2,500 clams. Yes, you heard that right. 2,500 bucks. You could buy this car. It has a floor. It has a floor. It has a trunk floor. Where's it from? It is a Colorado car. Colorado car. It must be mostly rust-free. It is rust-free with just a little gentle patina. You know, why would you why would you waste twenty five hundred dollars buying your wife some jewelry that, you know, she's gonna stick in the drawer and wear once a year when you could have a beautiful car like this, driving around and take take her to dinner with, you know? I'm I'm sure she would rather have, you know, this Chevy in the house than, you know, a rock on her finger, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you know, and if you were to do that, uh, she might encourage you to buy more. I think so That's too. A- I mean, you know, once she feels the uh, thrust of that 125 horsepower straight six, I mean, you know, those are great cars. And you said it's a four-door sedan, right? Four-door sedan. Light Was patina. it the 150 series? Is it the 150 or the deluxe 210? Which one? It's the, the deluxe series. For, for 2500 bucks, And it's deluxe series. But, you know, uh, the Snowbolt 6 can't be beat. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot no. of attention goes to the '55 Chevys, the hot one, uh, because that was the year for the introduction of the small block Chevrolet uh, that is so beloved by everyone. But you know, as a consequence of that, the stove bolts kind of get overlooked at times. But you know, Chevrolet's entry into the six uh, six cylinder realm. Uh, started in uh, 1911, and from 1911 to 1913, uh, they had their first Chevy 6, uh, which was a 299 cubic inch uh, T-head configuration engine, had valve on either side of the cylinder, and uh, that lasted to 1914. 1914, they came out with a L-head known as the Chevy Light 6, which was 271 cubic inches, but it was a flat head or L-head design. Um, at the time, though, um, you know, Chevy and Ford had started to kind of get in, get heated up into, into a sales race. 1927 was actually the first year Chevrolet outsold Ford. Now, you gotta remember that, uh, Henry closed down all of his plants in 1927 to do the changeover, um, and come out with the Model A. So he, his whole operation was shut down for quite some time, but, in the meantime, Chevrolet was working on the Stovebolt 6, which uh, debuted in 1929. And the first generation of that engine lasted all the way to 1936. Uh, very capable engine known as the Stovebolt 6 because the fasteners and bolts in the engine resembled bolts that were used in wood stoves that everybody used, potbelly stoves and wood stoves uh, that people cooked with um, at the time. So really, really indestructible. I have actually have a 1930 Chevy Roadster, and I, I can attest to the fact that it's got a lot of pulling power up here in the mountains. Uh, my Model A people are going to beat me to death, but the, the six-cylinder engine has a little bit more torque. I can actually maneuver up here in the mountains a little bit better with the six. Not that I would love you know, to have a Model A. Right, but you know what's the great thing about this 54 Chevy is 
if you love Chevys and you like 50s cars, but you can't afford a Tri-5, you know, you can't afford the more popular 55, 6, and 57 Chevys, this is a great alternative. You know, they made something like, you know, 400,000 of the various models in Not a gazillion? Not a gazillion, but they made, you know, close close to a million. But uh, there's plenty of parts available. A lot of parts have been reproduced. And they have a look all their own. They have they have really are handsome-looking automobiles, you know. They have a nice front end, nice grill, and they are stone-reliable. They're very durable. And you'll stand apart from the Tri-5 crowd, which, let's face it, you know, those cars are everywhere. But how many times do you see someone pull up in a 54, 53 Chevy? You know, not that often. So, uh, no, they're twenty five great looking cars. Gentlemen, twenty five hundred yeah. max. Bam, you're in a car. Twenty five hundred bucks. You're in Bam. Bam. Cheap okay. cars are good. <laughs> Bam, cheap cars are good. Folks, we're going to have to take our last break, and uh, you're listening to the Classic Car Show only on America's Web Radio. And I'm going to impose on you two to give me your thoughts on J.C. Taylor Insurance. Just a quick 15-second thought. Well, they're based in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania people are very nice. <laughs> <laughs> we all love, anybody in the antique car hobby loves Pennsylvania. It's sort of the seat of the antique car hobby. But as you mentioned, Bob Wallace and his team, professional group of people that are always ready to help, and you never have to worry about any any monkey business. You're getting good insurance and good coverage from people that can guide you to the, the proper product to cover your vintage vehicle. And with that being said, we're going to take uh, one more announcement, and then we'll be back on the Classic Car Show. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. And now, back to the classic car show. In really good condition. With Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Okay, back to the guys. And it's yours, Tom and Richard. Thanks, David. So, anyhow, one more th- shot for it. The 53 and 54 Chevy, the one of the unsung heroes of the 50s. And you can buy everything you need for those cars. And engine, mechanical parts, all easy to come by. And guess what? They're cheap. They're cheap, relatively cheap. speaking. We love cheap cars. <laughs> we love cheap cars. You know, car, cheap cars are fun. So take a look at a 53 or 54 Chevy. And I will actually post this one on our Facebook page at The Classic Car Show on Facebook. So you can have a look. Um, and then, of course, Richard's going to sh- tell us about it or actually take some pictures of his plating 
later on in the week and post some yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah, doing that this afternoon. Look. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely post some photos uh, before and after because, uh, you know, one of the reasons that I spent several days at my, you know, bench grinder cleaning each bolt and each thread of the hundreds of fasteners, not because I have nothing else to do, but uh, when you restore a car, it's nice to have as many of the original fasteners as possible because they have different markings on the bolt heads. And, you know, it's nice to preserve the original fasteners. This way the car looks more authentic once it's restored. So that's why I'm doing it. You know, I want those original markings on the bolt heads. And, uh, yeah, it, it may be a little, you know, a little crazy to do that. But, you know, so many times you go to car shows and you see bolts that someone bought at the big box store, you know, usually, you know, garbage from uh, overseas and they have this cheap plating on them, and it just diminishes the value of the car. It diminishes the authenticity of the car. So, you know, there are certain bolts that you can't reuse, especially if they're heavily rusted in the threads or on the shank. You know, you don't want to, you know, put a, put a rusted bolt back on your suspension. So sometimes you do have to replace them, but that's the whole reason why I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of these bolts. So you have the original markings on the head. So that's why. Yeah, typically. Typically, you'd want to want to replace those bolts that are un, are torqued uh, substantially to spec. Um, sometimes yeah. head bolts and and other bolts of oh, that of nature course. and suspension suspension bolts, like you mentioned, because they do tend to actually stretch a little bit um, with with time and with the with the torquing procedure. Um, but yeah, ab- absolutely. You know what I use, and I you know of course uh, if you use the wire wheel. At the grinder, you do so at your own peril. I, I don't know any of us who haven't used the wire wheel to get the rust, etc., off of a bolt or some other part. And uh, man, those things like will grab them from your hands if you're not careful and oh, sling them yes. at speeds in excess of hundreds of miles and a gazillion miles an hour. And they'll either yeah. sling them at you, <laughs> bounce them off your I, head, or stick them through the wall. I, <laughs> I I lost three fasteners yesterday. They're somewhere in the garage because they got flung across the room. <laughs> so, and, and wear eye protection. Got, you know, you got to wear eye protection because I'm sitting down last night watching TV after, you know, relaxing at the end of the day, and I feel something in my head, and it's one of the little bristles from the wire wheel that went flying off and got stuck in my hair. So, <laughs> so even wear a hat, you know. Uh, you got to protect yourself. So, and you know, when I work on my cars now, I wear a lot of gloves. I have a big box of you know uh, neoprene gloves and latex gloves, depending on what I'm doing. And uh, you got to protect your body as you're doing the work. You really do. Well, all those gloves. I'm not bending over in your shop. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> so, but I will tell you this. So. As a, a safer alternative, now it doesn't do the same job at times, but a safer alternative at times to the wire wheel of doom would be the vibratory tumbler. And I have used a vibratory tumbler. Yeah. Actually, I bought one at Harbor Freight, and uh, you can buy different kinds of media to go into the vibratory tumbler depending upon what type of fastener you're trying to de-rust and clean up. Um, you can buy some that's like uh, little pyramids, uh, 
sand, etc., etc., depending upon which type of finish is needed for the final product and how gunky they are and what kind of gunk is actually on, whether it's just paint, whether it's baked on grease mm. and grime, whatever it might be. It does be. take a long but time, though. It, it does take it a does, long but time. I would, but, but more importantly, okay, it, it could be, they could be more deadly than, <laughs> than, than the wire wheel of doom. And that is only, I, if you use the vibratory tumbler, do not walk away from that thing and just leave it running all day long uh, on a, unobserved because you know I, I had a friend of mine told me said hey tom do me a favor i need these fender bolts cleaned up i know you've got that vibratory tumbler that you got from that company that has the chinese vibratory tumblers and uh, would you please do that for me and i'm like yeah sure i'll do it but i i want to do it on a day when i can actually you know turn it on and be in the garage with it and he's like, why? I was like, because I'm worried about it burning the house down. And I kid you not, as God is my witness, Robert gave me those bolts. I put them in the tumbler. I came inside. I fixed the sandwich. I went back out in the garage, and I heard that electrical sound of a motor locked up going, and the smell of burning plastic. And my Chinese vibratory tumbler had actually locked up and was getting ready to uh, spontaneously combust and burn down my house. So anyway. Well, um, (laughs) maybe, maybe if you weren't so cheap, you would buy a quality tumbler with an American-made motor, and you wouldn't have that problem. Very simple. <laughs> you know, you know, cheap cars are good, but cheap tools are not good. <laughs> cheap tools are definitely not good. They can be no. deadly. I, I, I can tell you, I w- was helping a friend with an engine install not long ago, and I, we were actually on the front side pulling everything out. And I had a breaker bar, and I reached in his breaker bar, by the way, okay? My breaker bars are either old craftsman, snap-on, or Mac, okay? <laughs> but I reached in there with the breaker bar. Indestructible. But I reached in there with this breaker bar. I, You know, I'm straining, pulling on it, and finally I think it's moving. And then, bam, I hit myself right yeah. in the face with that. Uh, breaker bar because it was a uh, inferior quality Chinese breaker bar. And uh, yeah, tools, cheap tools are not good. Cheap cars are good. Keep that in mind. Cheap cars are good. No cheap, cheap tools. tools are bad. No, no cheap they tools. are bad. Yeah, yeah because you're pulling on them and then, bam, right in the head. You know. I'm just saying. Bam, you don't want to do that. But another alternative in cleaning bolts and stuff is if you have a media blasting cabinet, you know, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't have a tumbler and you have a blasting cabinet, you can blast, you know, uh, the heads of the bolts and little brackets. So that's always good. You know, I think every restorer should have a, a, a media blasting cabinet. I do. And I, okay. it, it, it's my favorite tool. I love it. Yeah, it, the media blast cabinet is like a little slice of heaven. It, it really, truly is. And for those of us who want to want that immediate gratification, you know, the transformation before your very eyes, you can put whatever you've got into that cabinet. And, man, it, it's just satisfying. You know, you're just in there, you know, 
cleaning all that rust off. It's it's just good stuff. And uh, but one thing about it is don't 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 let your your family, your wife, your kids learn how to use the media cabinet because if you do, they're going to be in there using it too. Um, a oh, lot yeah, of fun. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's kind of mesmerizing, and you forget all your troubles. You just watching the blasting just remove the rust of the paint and it's uh it's very enjoyable i mean it's a little tough on the back so i have a rubber mat on the floor that i stand on and that makes a huge difference so uh protect your legs and your back stand on a rubber mat hey that sounds no, good doesn't it it does you should be a spokesperson for uh scat blast or somebody like that i think the uh but it really is. It's relaxing, and it is mesmerizing, and uh, the, the media gratification is wonderful. But, uh, you know, and, and as with the vibratory tumbler, you use a different media uh, for every type of occasion, you know, depending upon what, you, you know, like you would use for heavily rusted parts, something called Black Beauty. Just pour right. that in there. It's more aggressive. It's going to really get sharp. the rust off faster. It's sharper. Um, and then if you're doing... Um, engine components, you can actually get crushed walnuts and uh, right. use crushed walnuts on uh, moving parts of the metal. Got. Yeah, yeah, it does not, does not destroy the metal. Um, on a sober thought today that I had this morning, and I, I have a number of friends who are car hobbyists in the Ukraine, and I've been communicating with them over the last several days, and uh, I, I must say, that what's going on over there in the Ukraine is, is pretty distressing to me. I, I hate seeing what's happening to them. Um, their democracy is not quite the same democracy as we have here in our country, but uh, they're they're losing a lot, and hopefully they can still participate in their hobby moving forward. Gentlemen, which brings me the thought brings me to the thought that. You know what? In our country, we are so blessed to have our young men and women in the military and our veterans, because without those folks, we wouldn't be enjoying this great hobby of ours, and we would not be talking to you this morning um, here at the Classic Car Show if it weren't for our active duty and, and veterans in, in the military. Touche. Yeah. Hey, let's yep. uh, Touche. I agree. We appreciate you guys. So we appreciate We love freedom. Cheap cars are good. Freedom is even better, folks. Just saying. Yep. And bad tools. Cheap tools, bad. Bad. <laughs> Cheap tools, bad. Bam. Right. Okay. We'll be... So $2,500 for that Chevy. I think I'm going to go to Colorado and get it. We'll be back with uh, the Let's Classic go. Car Show next week. Tom, Richard, thank you. And Richard, thank you for getting up. We'll be back right after yeah. this with the Classic Auto Mall. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.